Good day, all. Welcome to a new episode of Learning Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to teach you Bible truth, help you grow in faith, and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Now, I want you to remember to pray and ask God for understanding. Put your learning hats on, get your Bibles, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Good day, everyone, and praise God for another day and another opportunity to share with you his living word. Now, I want to welcome and thank our new listeners for tuning in. Don't forget to click the follow button on the homepage of the podcast you are listening to. And as always, I want to give a big thank you for the faithful learning by Bible truth followers. What you tell me by listening consistently is that you want to know the truth the Bible truth. Now, today's message is super, super important. We are going to talk about who the Lord Jesus Christ said he was. Now, before we get this Bible truth started, let me share some ground rules with our new listeners. For the sake of time, I will read some scriptures. You can pause the tape and when you find the scriptures, you can resume listening. Now, you guys know, the ones who follow me on a regular basis, I study a lot of scriptures. Now, it is virtually impossible for me to read every scripture to you that I have studied. So during this message, I will name some scriptures after a short commentary for you to write down and study later. Now, with that said, let's get this truth on the road. Go to our foundational scripture. It's in Mark chapter 14. Now, before I move forward, I want to share that every scripture that I will mention today or read today is from the New Living Translation. Now, you guys know I typically read from the New King James Version, but today I'm using the New Living Translation. Now, our foundation of scripture, Mark chapter 14, verses 62, and I am reading verse 62. You will see one like the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. Now you already know what I think, but who did Jesus say he was? That's the question you need to ask. Many people are quick to say that Jesus never claimed to be the Messiah. But if you read the scriptures in context, you will see this just isn't the case. So why does this view continue to spread? Unfortunately, it's because many people just haven't read the Bible. Despite the fact you can find the Bible almost everywhere in modern society, few people actually read it anymore. Now, as a result, most people form their opinions about the Bible based on what other people have told them. And oftentimes, those people haven't read the Bible either. See why I've been encouraging you to read the Bible for yourselves. Do you see people? <laughs> Don't let others draw conclusions for you. Not when it, when it comes to such an important issue. Now, many years ago, before I became a minister of the gospel and a teacher of the word, I ran into a female and she was a Muslim female. And this is what she said to me. Well, Jesus never claimed to be the Messiah. Other people only said he did. Now, <laughs> I couldn't believe this was true, 
But off the top of my head, I, could, I couldn't dispute what she said. I didn't have a Bible with me and I probably wouldn't have known where to look if I did. Is that because such a passage wasn't there? Nope. The passages were there. I just didn't know them well enough to, to you know, at the time to point out the inaccuracy and explain those passages to this young lady. So while I firmly believe Jesus was the Messiah, I considered the idea that maybe, just maybe, she was right. Maybe I, I had put words in the mouth of Jesus that just weren't there. Hmm. But rather than take her word for it, I decided to check for myself. I turned to the authoritative uh, resources on statements made by Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And after I reread these books, I could understand why this myth was able to spread. If you read the Gospels, you'll struggle to find a passage where Jesus specifically states the exact words, I am the Messiah. Still, to say that he didn't believe this or relay this message to others is completely dishonest. It is not true. Now, why do I say this? Because if you read the Gospels in context with full understanding of the Messianic prophecies and what the language used by Jesus meant to first century Israelites, then you will know without a doubt that Jesus proclaimed himself to be the Messiah over and over and over again on multiple occasions. But again, don't take my word for it. Read the Bible firsthand. Now, if you don't, you can be easily misled in regard to what it's in, what's in it. OK, thinking Jesus never claimed to be the Messiah is a prime example. Now, I'm going to give you some scriptures and and discuss with you that Jesus did say he was the Messiah. OK, and he is way more than that. I am so anxious to share this message with you because I want you to know the truth. You have no idea the conversations I have with people today. Of course, I can point out scripture today. I have a doctorate in, in theology and, and a master's in divinity and a bachelor's in biblical studies. So I am astute in the word of God, but I am careful because I know most people aren't. And I don't want to run them away from Jesus. I want to bring them to him through scripture because most people are ignorant of the word of God. Okay. Now let's first look at the woman at the well. Now, while traveling through Samaria on his way to Galilee, Jesus and his disciples stopped at the village of Sychar. Now being tired, Jesus sat down next to Jacob's well and struck up a conversation with a woman who had come to draw water. Now, after asking him a number of questions, she said to him, when the Messiah comes, I know he will explain everything to us. Now, what was Jesus's response? He told her, and I quote, I am he. I want you to write down John chapter four, verses 25 and 26. Now, did you catch that? Jesus said, I am he. In the response to her remark, when the Messiah comes. So yes, technically the exact words, I am the Messiah didn't come out of his mouth, 
But what would you really interpret his response as any, but, but tell me this, would you really interpret his response as anything less than that, than that he was saying he was the Messiah? Now, by itself, this is enough to put an, an, an end to the idea that Jesus never claimed to be the Messiah. But it's not the only instance. There are plenty more. Now, because of time, I can't tell you the hundreds of times, but oh, baby, trust me. The scriptures I'm going to go over is going to confirm that Jesus said he was the Messiah. And not just that, meant much more, much more. Now, Jesus also claims to be the son of God. Now, while in the temple, the people surrounded Jesus and demanded that he tell them whether or not he was the Messiah. As part of his reply, Jesus said, the father and I are one. This prompted the people to pick up stones to kill him. Jesus then asked them, in my father's name, I have done many good works. For which of these are you going to stone me? And the crowd replied, not for any good work. But for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Now, I want you to write down John chapter 10, verses 24 through 33. Okay, and study that. Now, Jesus claimed to be much more than a prophet. Now, his ministry was that of a prophet. He prophesied while he was here. But he claimed to be God in the flesh as well. What else do you think he meant when he said the father and I are one? Now you can try to dissect this like most people do and change it into be into being something that is not. But Jesus said the father and I are one. Now, clearly he was saying God and myself are one and the same. And that's what the crowds heard. Otherwise, why would they cause him or, or accuse him of claiming to be God? And why would they try to stone him for it? Think about that. Jesus also said he lived before Abraham. Now, when the crowds asked Jesus who he was and how he could say that Abraham, who died more than 2000 years earlier, had looked forward to Jesus coming. Jesus replied before Abraham was, I am. Now, this is very important, saints. I am. Now, when he said this, the crowds picked up stones to stone him. I want you to read John chapter eight, verse 58. Now, why did they pick up stones uh, to stone Jesus? Again, it's because Jesus proclaimed himself God. Jesus didn't say I am because he was getting all philosophical and, and asserting his existence. Jesus was making a bold statement claiming to be I am was quite significant in first century Israel or anything for that matter. Why? Because when God appeared to Moses in a burning bush, he identified himself as I am. Read Exodus 3:14. And Jesus identified himself as the same I am from the burning bush. He was saying that he was the God of Israel who led the the Hebrews out of Egypt bondage. Egyptian bondage, I'm sorry. That he existed before Abraham did. Now, to many people, this was outrageous. And that's why they tried to stone him. Now, Jesus said, in me, you have seen the father. Now, when Jesus said, from now on, 
you know the father and have seen him. Philip replied, Lord, show us the father and we will believe. Then Jesus asked him, Philip, have I been with you all this time and you still don't know me? Now, if you have seen me, then you have seen the father. For I am the father and the father is in me. I want you to read John 14 uh, verses 8 through 11. And let me say that scripture again because I think I, uh, I misread the word. I'm looking at these scriptures on my iPad. Uh, Jesus said, for I am in the father and the father is in me. John 14, 8, 11, And these are new living translations. Now, did you catch what Jesus said? He said, if you have seen me, then you have seen the father. Now, the father is God. God, Jehovah, G-O-D with a capital G. OK, he didn't say, trust me, I've seen the father. He, he exists. He said, you have seen him. Jesus was claiming to be the physical manifestation of God, God, the father in the flesh. Now, Jesus reiterated this when he told the crowds, if you trust me, you trust the God who sent me. For when you look at me, you are looking at the one who sent me. Write down John chapter 12, verse 45. Now, when I first started reading the Bible, this is a concept I just didn't grasp. Initially, I thought of Jesus as distinct from God, the father, much like a human father and, and son are related but separate people. But one day when I was reading this passage, a light bulb went off. I finally realized who Jesus really was, God in the flesh. And flesh and blood didn't reveal that to me, God did. Now, now but the, the important thing is that I eventually caught on, so I guess I didn't feel too bad. Now, after all, Philip spent every day with Jesus for three years before he figured it out. Okay. See, you got to let the Holy Spirit in to open your mind and search your heart to give you the truth about who Jesus is. Because that's what the Holy Spirit's responsibility is, is to reveal the truth about Jesus to anybody, anyone whose heart is willing to receive it. Now, remember when Jesus said the scriptures point to me? Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Oh, my God. And we ain't talking about the New Testament because the New Testament wasn't written then. He was talking about every scripture in the Old Testament. I want you to read John chapter five, verse thirty nine. The entire Bible centers around God's relationship with man. So when Jesus says the scriptures point to me. He's clearly stating he's more than just a man. Now, later, Jesus reaffirms this statement. After the resurrection, two followers of Jesus were walking to the village of Emmaus when Jesus suddenly appeared and began walking with them. Now, while walking with them, he said, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus explained the writings of Moses and all the prophets revealing in the scriptures the things concerning himself. Write down Luke chapter 24 verses 13 through 27. Now you see why I didn't want to read all these scriptures because they are, I studied all of this for you so that you can write them down and read them yourselves. 
Now, I want you to notice that Jesus didn't say the things concerning God, but the things concerning himself. Did you catch that? Now, when Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders criticized him for it. He replied to them by saying, my father is always working and so am I. In response, the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to kill Jesus because he called God his father, making himself equal to God. Because you guys know you are what your father is. OK, I want you to read John chapter five, verses 16 through 18. The Jewish leaders understood Jesus clearly. He was equating himself to God in what they viewed as a violation of the first commandment. You must not have any God but me. Now, I want you to write down Exodus 20 and verse 3. Now, if Jesus believed himself anything less than the Messiah, God in the flesh, he would have known he was in violation of this commandment. Now, when the disciples asked Jesus to explain what signs would, would, uh, would signal his return and the end of the age, one of the things Jesus said is that many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and they will deceive many. I want you to write down Matthew chapter 24 verses four through five. He said they will deceive many, not might. They will do you. That's what David Caress said. David Caress said that he was the Messiah. Jim Jones said he was the Messiah. And do, do, do you guys remember the ending? And it's much more than David Caress and, and Jim Jones. They are just the most famous two out of the people claiming to be the Messiah. Do you know today people are following a man in, in Jerusalem and in Israel right now who claiming to be the Messiah. And Jesus warned us about this. Now here, Jesus is essentially telling the disciples, since I'm the Messiah, one sign of the end will be the appearance of false messiahs who will claim I am the Messiah. Now, if Jesus didn't believe himself to be the Messiah, then then wouldn't he have told his disciples to look for signs related to the true Messiah? Huh? Now, some of this stuff is, is just common sense. He would have. But instead, he told them to ignore anyone who claimed to be the Messiah. Why? Because he alone was the Messiah. That's why. Now. When Jesus asked the disciples who they thought he was, Peter said he was the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus responded by applauding Peter, saying, you are blessed, Simon Peter, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. I want you to write down Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 through 17. Jesus didn't say wrong, Peter. I'm not the Messiah. I'm just a prophet. He didn't say that. He said just the opposite. Jesus agreed with Peter's assertion that he was the Messiah and blessed him for it. Now, Jesus repeatedly accepted worship from others without rebuke and an act which would be blasphemy for a mere man since worship is reserved for God alone. Now, need some examples? Let me let me give you some. After Jesus walked on water, the disciples worshiped him and called him the son of God. Matthew 14, 33. When Mary and Mary Magdalene left the empty tomb, they encountered Jesus, grabbed his feet and worshiped him. 
Matthew 28 verse 9 through 10. A man with leprosy knelt before Jesus and called him Lord. Matthew 8 verse 2. And a blind man healed by Jesus worshipped him. John 9 verse 38. The gospel accounts mention numerous instances where Jesus was worshipped but not once did Jesus ever tell anyone to stop. In fact, several times throughout the Bible, men fall down in worship of angels who say, stop. Worship is reserved for God alone. Now, by saying nothing and accepting worship, Jesus is revealing his true identity. Okay. Now, when charged with blasphemy before the high council, the high priest demanded that Jesus reveal whether or not he was the Messiah. Jesus replied, you will see one like the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. Matthew 26, 64. So what does this mean? This is a direct reference to a messianic prophecy in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. I want you to write that down and read that. So who is this son of man prophesied in Daniel? If you keep reading, you will find out that he is given authority, honor, and power over all the nations of the world so that everyone in the world will obey him. His rule is eternal and his kingdom never ending. Daniel chapter 7 verse 14. So I want you to read Daniel, Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. And you will see where Daniel was prophesying about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, Jesus claimed to be this prophesied ruler. Okay. Now, Jesus also told his disciples, now the time has come for the son of man to enter his glory. John chapter 12, verses 23 through 29. Jesus said this, knowing that God does not share his glory with anyone. For God said, I will give my glory to no one, nor share my praise with carved idols. Read Isaiah 42 and 8. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8. Now was God lying? No. Did Jesus lie or encourage in blasphemy when he talked about entering into his glory? No, he did not. Why? Because he and the father are one and the same. Now also while he was before the high council, Jesus was asked, are you the Messiah? He replied, from now on, the son of man will be seated in the place of power at God's right hand. I want you to read Luke chapter 22, verse 69. What did he mean by this? Jesus was quoting King David, who said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand. Psalms chapter 110, verse 1. Now, how can the Lord sit in the place of honor at his own right hand? How is it possible that Jesus is both son of man and son of God? If he's God in the flesh, who is the father? These are all good questions. And I'm often asked these questions and I explain to everyone who asks me and I'm going to share this with you. The way it is explained is this. This is the way I explain it. If I put my hand in an aquarium, my hand is me, but my hand is not all of me yet my hand moves only in at, at my direction and anything my hand does is something I do so Jesus is essentially the hand of God in the form of human 
in, in the form of a human. Now, this is a second example that I use, and I like this example the best. Most people get it when I say this. Think of water. Water being God, okay? God Almighty. If you freeze water, it becomes ice, but that ice is still water. If you boil water, it becomes steam and evaporate, evaporate, but it's still water. God the Father, God the Son Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, they are all three God, but they have different functions. Okay? Now, people usually get it when I say that. Now, by himself, he's not all of God, but he's still God. Just as your right hand represents you, uh, but isn't all of you. And this is how Jesus described himself as the right hand of the father. And Jesus made many other statements not listed here uh, in this message in which he, he, he claimed to be the Messiah or, or God in the flesh. For instance, Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth and the life, which is my favorite scripture throughout this entire Bible. John chapter 14, verse six and the bread of life. John chapter six, verse 35. Now I'm going to talk about some characteristics of God. Now, as I came to the realization of who Jesus really was and is, it occurred to me that the gospel should corroborate Jesus's claims about his true identity. In other words, if Jesus is God in the flesh, then the narratives of his life should provide evidence that he exhibited the characteristics you would expect of God. So, did he? Mm-hmm. Some of the college uh, religion and, and philosophy, philosophy classes I took noted that God has certain universal characteristics. I learned these in school. So I decided to take a look at those and see if Jesus still measured up. Here's what I found. He is omnipotent. So omnipotence. By definition, God is all powerful, meaning he will, he has power over all things in the universe. Uh, is there any evidence Jesus was all powerful? History says yes. According to the Old Testament, only God has the power to forgive sins. I want you to read Jeremiah 31, 24. Yet Jesus boldly declared his own power to forgive sins, revealing himself as God. Mark Chapter two, verse five through 11, while speaking to a crowd, Jesus claimed the power to lay down his life and pick it up again. John chapter 10, 17 and 18. Okay. John, and, and, and I want to make sure I don't, um, confuse you. John chapter 10 verses 17 and 18. Okay. The resurrection confirmed he has this power. Write down John chapter 20, verse 11 through 18. Now, Jesus also displayed his power over the wind and waves when he made the storm stop on the lake. Luke chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. Jesus commanded fish and, and they obeyed. John chapter 1, verse 6. He cast Roman soldiers to the ground with nothing more than the breath of his mouth. John 18, 6. And he also walked on water. Mark 6, 48, 49. And I'm here to tell you, he is not a magician. He is the, he was every bit of God in the flesh, which is why he was able to do these supernatural things. Now at his command, diseases were cured. Mark chapter one, verses 40 through 42. The blind could see Matthew nine, 
verse 27 through 30. And the paralyzed could walk. John 5, verse 5 through 17. Now, I gave you these examples. Now, you have to conclude that such a person is omnipotent. After all, if you can heal the blind, walk on water and raise the dead, what can't you do? Now, what about Jesus being all-knowing? Hmm? Omnipresence. I jumped ahead of myself. Mm -hmm. Not I'm knowing. We're going to talk about Jesus being uh, omnipresent. Meaning he's everywhere at all times. Now he exists in all places in the past. You know, present and future. Can this be said of Jesus? Is there any evidence of his omnipresence? Yes, there is. When they first met, Jesus stated that he saw Nathanael under the fig tree earlier that day. His statement mesmerized Nathanael, who recognized this as knowledge that no other man could have. Write down John chapter 1, verse 47 through 51. Yet Jesus was there. The gospel of John tells us that the spirit of God became flesh and took the name of Jesus. He existed in the beginning with God and he was God. John chapter one, verses one through three. Now, Jesus assured his disciples he would always be with them, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28 and 20. And Paul testified that Jesus fills all things everywhere with himself. Ephesians chapter one, verse 23. Now, what about Jesus being God all knowing? Hmm. Hmm. Omniscience. God is all knowing. There isn't a thing under the sun that he doesn't know. He not only knows everything that we've done, but our thoughts and motives as well. So did Jesus show any indication of this ability? Absolutely. Upon meeting a Samaritan woman, Jesus told her everything she had ever done. Write down John chapter four, verse 39. His knowledge was so detailed, it alone convinced her he was the Messiah. The disciples who spent more time with Jesus during his earthly ministry than anyone else testified that he knows everything. Read John chapter 16, verse 30. Now, the very definition of omniscience. As a young boy, Jesus and his family made a pilgrimage to the temple in Jerusalem. While there... Jesus amazed the Jewish religious teachers with his understanding and his answers. I want you to read Luke chapter two, verses 46 and 47. As an adult, Jesus taught in the temple and the people were amazed at the depth of his knowledge, saying, how does he know all this? Now, since he was not a man educated and trained by men, read John chapter seven, verses 14 and 15. Jesus even illustrated his knowledge of the most minute details of creation when he told Peter to catch a fish, open his mouth and find a large silver coin inside. Matthew 17, 27. Now, Jesus knew Lazarus was dead, even when his disciples still thought Lazarus was just sick. Read John chapter 11, verse 14. Jesus also had had prior knowledge of his betrayal by one of the disciples. John 6 verses 70 and 71 and complete knowledge that he would suffer at the hands of the Jewish authorities, die and rise from the dead. 
Matthew 16, 21. All of you should know that scripture. Now, what about Jesus being eternal? Now, another characteristic of God is his eternal nature. God is not bound by time or depth. According to the Old Testament, God is the first and the last. There is no other God. Isaiah 44, verse 6. Is there any evidence Jesus was eternal in nature? The apostle John testified yes when he fell at the feet of, of a resurrected Jesus who assured him, don't be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am alive forevermore. And this is in Revelations chapter 1, verse 17. Now, in addition, Paul says that Jesus exited before anything. I'm sorry, Jesus existed before anything else. Read Galatians chapter one, verse 17. And he described Jesus as being the same yesterday, today and tomorrow, meaning forever. Hebrews 13, verse eight. Now, in a messianic prophecy, the prophet Micah claimed this future ruler of Israel will come out of Bethlehem. And his origins are from the dis distant past, Micah 5, 2. And the prophet Isaiah described the Messiah, the great light who would appear in Galilee as everlasting father. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Now, both of, of, of these Messianic prophecies were, for, were fulfilled by Jesus. So it stands to reason that he is the everlasting father whose origins are from the distant past. Now, are these the only characteristics of God? Nope. After all, we're talking about God's traits here. Who really knows what they are? They all are. We could spend an entire lifetime debating the subject and splitting hairs, but ask yourself just one question. What would you expect God to be like? Hmm? Think about it. What picture forms in your mind? Wouldn't you expect God to say, come to me, all who are heavy burdened or heavy laden, hmm? and I'll give you rest? That can only come from God. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Wouldn't you expect God to say, let he who is without sin cast the first stone? John 8, verse 7. Wouldn't you expect God to say, Love your enemies. Oh, because man's way, the world's way, I, I hate your enemies. Try to exact revenge on them. But wouldn't you expect God to say love your enemies? Matthew 5, 44. Blessed are the peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. My favorite scripture. I hope it becomes your favorite scripture. Wouldn't you expect God to walk on water, heal the blind, and raise the dead? You would. I do too. And guess what? Your imagination paints a picture of the living, breathing Jesus. Think of any characteristics you would expect God to display. And I bet you, I, I, look, I bet you will find an example where Jesus displays that same characteristic in the Bible. The crowd surrounding Jesus in the temple put it best. They ask, when the Messiah comes, will he do greater things than this man? John chapter 7, verse 31. Now, Jesus knew the scriptures like no one else. Remember, when he was 12 years old, Jesus met with the religious teachers in the temple, and they were amazed with his knowledge and understanding. Luke chapter 2, verses 46 and 47. 
Jesus knew exactly what he was saying when he proclaimed, I am. And you will see one who looks like the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. He clearly understood these words and phrases as references to the Messiah, God in the flesh, the anointed one, the Christ. Okay. Furthermore, he allowed others to worship him and he constantly equated himself to the God of Israel. Are these the words and actions of someone who views himself as an ordinary man? Are these the words of just one in a long line of prophets? Why do you think the Pharisees and Sadducees were constantly accusing him of blasphemy? It's because he, a mere man in their eyes, claimed to be equal to God. Now, plenty of people say Jesus never claimed to be the Messiah, but the position of Jesus himself is clear and unequivocal. Those who say he was a great moral teacher, but not God in the flesh. Muslims say this, by the way. Ignore his actual teachings. Now, if you believe Jesus is not the son of God, then you can also believe he's a great moral teacher. How could you how could you if he's proclaiming to be someone he's not? Now, if you don't think he's the son of God, then you have to believe he's either crazy or a liar. But you can't straddle the fence and believe that he's a good person. Only three options really exist. Jesus either lied about who he was. Um, he was deluded about who he was or he was who he said he was. But again, don't take my word for it. For one thing, you don't have to. Many witnesses who spent time with Jesus were beaten, ridiculed, and martyred for their insistence that Jesus was who he said he was. And their testimony is a lot more compelling than mine. So why not take the time to investigate what they said? And I don't care what religious group, organization, or cult you are following. The head of, and I just bumped the mic if you heard it, I'm sorry. The head of that organization never healed anyone, never walked on water, never raised anyone from the dead. And do you know there's this age old argument that Jesus was a great musician? Now, <laughs> I'm sorry, magician. So I want you to tell me what magician can heal someone from leprosy? Huh? What magician can raise someone from the dead after they had been in the, in the grave for four days? None. None at all. And even Mohammed, Mohammed stayed sick. Jesus healed the sick. Mohammed never prophesied anything. He didn't claim to be a prophet. He claimed to be a messenger from Allah, who is a moon God. Well, I want you to write this down. Jesus created the moon. He spoke worlds into existence. He named the stars. He named the moons. He named the earth. Everything that you see around you, according to nature, Jesus created by just speaking words. Now, I want you to tell me what religious leader ever did that. We have people who can uh, deceive people and people are following them, but they can't heal. Jesus never led anyone to commit suicide. Jesus never told anyone to go kill anybody just because they rejected him. Jesus didn't care about people rejecting him. 
he spoke the words, he, he preached the gospel, he taught his disciples to preach the gospel, and he told everyone when he ascended on high for the last time, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what he said. That is what our mission is, and that is what my mission will remain to be until I leave this earth. Now, I want you to stand by for an invitation to accept Christ and my closing remarks. To everyone who hears this message, including those who profess to having accepted Christ, but don't possess his spirit, and to the non-believers who are chasing religion looking for God, tomorrow is not promised to you. Now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. There is no other way to get to God outside of Christ. There is no back door. I want you to read John chapter 14 verses 1 through 6. All you have to do to secure your salvation in Christ is to say this simple prayer one time and mean it. Father God, I am a sinner in need of salvation. I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And because I confessed and believe this in my heart, God, your word says, I'm saved. Amen. If you said this simple prayer, my friends, you have just been saved by grace. Yes, it's just that simple. If you were sincere, you should feel a change in your heart right now. You now have free access to God. You are a saint, a believer, and most importantly, a child of the Most High God. I encourage you to join a faith-based teaching church. Continue to listen to Learning Bible Truth so you can grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Renew your mind with the Word of God so you can establish a relationship with Him. God wants you to enjoy life, laugh, love, forgive, and treat everyone you encounter with compassion, dignity, and respect. Now stand by for my closing remarks. I pray that you were blessed by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, please send your comments or questions to TalkingBibleTruth dot cd at gmail.com and if you would like to support this podcast financially because you feel we have been a blessing to you go to one of my five podcasts anchor spotify breaker google Podcasts, or radio public and contribute an amount of your choice now until next time remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god we walk by faith not by sight i am your host dr Kamala d rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.